I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the music of Bob Dylan one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about Blind Willie McTell, one of the lost gems from the Dylan catalog, is podcaster extraordinaire and Dylan uh, obsessive, Bob Fisher. <laughs> Bob, thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Rob. It's my pleasure for being here. I am looking forward to talking about this little gem. Yeah, uh, we got uh, Rob Bob talking about Bob, so it's real, <laughs> <laughs> very unimaginative parents out there. Yeah, we got a lot of Roberts going on here. So, yeah, this is uh, Blind Willie McTell. For anyone who is not familiar with this song, this was written and recorded for the 1983 Infidels album. And then uh, beyond uh, any rationale that anyone can, can figure out, uh, Bob left it off the record. And there it stayed, uh, gathering dust until 1991, when it was released on the first three volumes of the Bootleg series, the now famous Bootleg series. Uh, and this was really one of the songs that, like, sort of uh, made that set what it was. You know, this this was the kind of thing that Sony and or Columbia Records was sort of promising, like. You know, as good as the Dylan catalog is, there's much, there's so much you haven't heard. And yeah. this is one of, this is one of like the five or six that you would say flat out masterpieces that uh, it's just sort of stunning. You just can't believe that Bob deemed this not good enough to be on, on Infidel. So you specifically asked for this song, Bob. Why? Why, why, yes. why, why Blind Millie McTell? Well, it, it's uh, like so many Dylan things that there's many layers to it and many levels Uh and my reasons for liking it. I'm tr- I was trying to think after we talked about when did I actually hear this for the first time. And uh, we have a radio station here in Richmond. It's a local radio station. It's actually the college radio station of University of Richmond. Uh, college radio station. It's a small wattage AM. You can barely hear it. You have to be within, you know, really close to the school to hear it. Or if the weather is good, sometimes you can hear it. <laughs> but in <laughs> but in 1991, when... Uh, uh, the bootleg series came out. They played that album basically from start to finish all over the place. They played it a lot. So I'm thinking that's probably where I heard it for the first time. Uh, but being a blind Willie McTell, I don't want to say fan, but I am a fan. I love that. It's blues. So, you know, I'm already getting, uh, you know, kind of ahead of myself here. But as you know, Rob, we've talked before, I'm kind of a music guy. If oh, yeah. the music doesn't get me, then it doesn't matter the lyrics. I'll never know what you're saying because I didn't like your music well enough to sit down and figure out what you're saying. So some good songs have missed me over the years because of that, because the the music just didn't get to me. This song, uh, being loosely based on an old blues tune, uh, St. James Infirmary, the music part of it, instantly grabs me. I mean, it's, it's Bob Dylan on piano and Mark Knopfler on 12-string acoustic right, guitar. Right. Who produced Infidels, by the way, we should just mention. That's why he was we, yeah. there. He produced the record. Exactly. And like you, when I heard this, I have no idea why Bob Dylan <laughs> said, you know, no, I don't think I want that one on Infidel. It just blows me away because to me, this song, 
uh, no one sings the blues, nobody sings the blues like blind Willie McTell. Uh, I put this up with Tangled Up in Blue, with All Along the Watchtower, with, you know, the five to ten greatest Bob Dylan songs of all time. Mm -hmm. To me, this fits right in there. It has all of the things you're looking for in a great Bob Dylan song. Uh, a catchy tune, again, loosely based on the St. James Infirmary song, which every blues player from Stevie Ray Vaughan to Eric Clapton, I mean, you name it, Joe Bonamassa, they've all played that song and versions of that song. So musically, uh, the song speaks to me if he wasn't saying a single word. If he was just going la, 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 <laughs> the song would speak to me musically. And put on top of that, I think it's just one of the best singing jobs Bob Dylan has ever done. The production of this song, it's simple. It's the two of them. It's Bob Dylan playing the piano and Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits and producer. I mean, just on and on and on with his credits. Um, playing the 12-string acoustic guitar, and that's it. And Bob Dylan, it starts off very somber and slow and then builds. Each verse builds and builds until you're hearing the full volume of Bob Dylan towards the end of this as it then brings you right back down and you realize what he's saying. And he ends every single verse with No One Sings the Blues, like Blind Willie McTell. So musically, at first when I heard this, I thought, wow, this is, re this is really good. What is this? And uh, went back, and, and, and of course now I have the, the, the tape, the, I call them the tape, the, the bootleg series. Mm. And this song has been on my iPod since day one. I <laughs> You know, uh, other things I've had to put on there and move because I only have an eight gig iPod, so I have to move stuff around. <laughs> but but this song is always on there, and it pops up in regular rotation all the time. And it is weird because I'll bet for ten years after loving this song from the '90s, um, I really still didn't know what it was saying because you know I'm big into the blues and stuff, and I know who Blind Willie McTell was. But then I really started reading the lyrics. I thought, I better figure out what he's actually saying after listening to it for years. And then realized, my God, it's kind of a history of, of jazz and slavery and the yeah. black experience yeah. in four verses. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and this, this is a very expansive song, no doubt about it. it, it literally. And, and then the imagery... Um, it does literally have everything that you want a good folk song. I mean, if you want to put Bob Dylan in the category like he started as a folk singer, this has it all. A great melody, a poignant, poignant, just beautifully written lyric all the way through every verse. And you think at first you read it and you think, well, what is he, what, what is, what does that mean? On the riverbank and what, doing what? But it's just beautiful. And then when you realize the, the weight of the story that he's telling and then using, kind of using the life of this uh, 1920s blues singer uh, and preacher to tell this story, it, uh, I just got chills. I literally just got chills. It's, am <laughs> it's amazing how uh, a music and a song can do that. Uh, I really encourage people to read the lyrics of this song and then listen to Bob sing it uh, very loud with your eyes closed. It's, it's an amazing song. 
Yeah, it starts. Uh, you mentioned about how it builds, and it, it starts. It said it's a series of it's just five verses of uh, very evocative imagery. I mean, it starts with seeing the arrow on the doorpost, saying, "This land is condemned," all the way from New Orleans to Jerusalem. I've traveled through East Texas where many martyrs fell, and I know no one can sing the blues like blind Willie McTell. And he starts – that first verse is almost – it's not a whisper, but it's pretty quiet. But then as you say, it builds and builds, and he gets more intense. The piano gets sort of more insistent. It's mm-hmm. almost like he's pounding on it by the end. And by the by the fourth and fifth verse, he is right in your ear. I mean he yeah. is leaning up close. And, you know, the the – as you say about like what any of this means, and it, it, you know, I, I, yeah, I've read a lot of things about what it's supposed to mean. I mean, you, it's funny you uh, you mentioned the song that this borrows from uh, melodically, which is the St. James Infirmary, and right. he mentions St. James in this very song. He mentions the St. James Hotel, which exactly. is of course his little nod to the fact that he's stealing the song's melody. But I mean, it's I, I love this sort of classic Dylan interplot that here is a man singing about the loss of blues singers that there's no blues singer anymore to sing the blues like blind Willie McTell did when he himself is doing just that. Exactly. He he is taking the place of blind Willie McTell in 1983 America, but Bob is too modest to put himself kind of in that position. But so he's acting as though there's no singer to mourn the loss of innocence of the world or all these things. But here he is, he's doing just that very thing. And it's exactly, it's, you're just sort of like, by the time it's over, you're just like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like it's really a real head rush. And I can only imagine the frustration of being a Bob Dylan record producer and having him record something like that and then go, nah, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Because it's like, as a producer, it is my job to find the best material and not only is that, I'm sure that's probably the best thing recorded on Infidels. It's probably the, one of the best things he recorded in the 80s. And oh, easily. Yeah. To, just, to just go, nah. And, you know, again, to give a little bit of context, which I love to do, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because Dylan's writing was at one of his most fertile periods is from like around 81 through 84, where he was writing songs practically a dozen at a time and just, just, casting them away i mean there's this one there's another song he wrote for shot of love which was the album before this called caribbean wind i have a bootleg version of that that is one of my top 10 things he's ever done and that's another one that he went nah and just left it you know uh i have an entire bootleg of songs recorded for shot of love i think quite literally i think a baker's dozen of songs not one of which ever made it out you just can't just believe staggering. it and and it's just it's, staggering it took dylan through, uh, I would say, time out of mind to get in a better headspace where he started recognizing the best material. Because uh, there's things left off of time out of mind from 1997 that is really good that should have been on there. It seems like once he got to producing his own records, he seemed to regain that confidence and be able to figure out, no, 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 this is the best of the best. Because once this song was put on the Bootleg series, Dylan himself started performing it. I mean, yeah. he he recognized... He credits the band. He said the band started because the band got a version of it, and they started doing it. And he said, oh, the band started showing me how to do it. Come on, Bob. You're being very polite. I mean, he's performed this 225 times as recently as last year. Uh, And he performed it just a couple of years ago at a – I forget what award show, but Michael – Michael, I'm sorry, Martin Scorsese 
was getting an award and he came out and sang Blind Willie McTell for, for Martin Scorsese. And so the fact right. that the fact that Bob has never dropped it from his repertoire shows that he knows how good it is. He right. just didn't know in 1983 how good it was. When he plays it live, does he fully orchestrated or does he play it simply like this either guitar or piano no he does fully he does a full-on thing and it's much lighter it's funny there i have another bootleg where he uh, there's an alternate take of this from infidels that's much lighter in tone and there's a there's a point where he actually laughs in the opening (laughs) section so clearly the sessions weren't terribly serious despite the fact that there's a lot of heavy stuff going on on infidels Mm -hmm. and this song this feels like the kind of song that you you would after you're done recording it you just say we all right let's all Let's let's wrap it up for the day here, folks. I mean, yeah. you know, it she feels so heavy, but apparently, you know, Bob was able to channel that uh, off and on. But yeah, it, it, to me, it's so funny that once it got released in the Bootleg series, he added it to the repertoire. He, he realized, yeah. yeah, I probably should have put that one on there. <laughs> yeah, well, it is amazing. I mean, and, and even because, like you mentioned earlier, Mark Knopfler, who plays on the song, also produced the song and the album it was intended. Yep. But apparently he and Bob, they agreed, okay, fine, we'll leave it off. <laughs> it, it's staggering. But we've heard this happen in, you know, they're not exclusive to no, that. George no. Martin, famous producer of the Beatles, said that he thinks his one of his biggest mistakes producing the Beatles was leaving off of Sgt. Pepper, the great album, some say the greatest of all time, Sgt. Pepper. He left off Strawberry Fields Forever, and Penny Lane. They wow. were both supposed to be on Sgt. Pepper, but George Martin thought, mm, no. And then they released them as side one, side two as a single. Beatles didn't do a side A, B. They just released it with no one or two on the side. So you could decide which one you liked as side one or two. Huh. But people do that all the time, and it's it's amazing. I've heard other famous people do that very thing. They leave the studio. They got these songs. They pick the ones they want. A few others don't make it, but I cannot imagine what they must have been thinking because Infidel really only has eight songs, nine songs, I think, eight songs maybe on it totally. Yep. So it wasn't like they ran out of room. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, any any song that contains the 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 series of lines, God is in His heaven, and we all want what's His, but power and greed and corruptible seed seem to be all that there is. That's got to go on your album. Yes. That's got it. Bob, yes. come on. All right, fine. <laughs> Union Sundown? Okay. But let's make room for Blind Millie McTell for music. And something else about Infidels that I find interesting about how capricious some of this stuff is. And then to, to us receiving it, everything feels like it's been carved into stone. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. meant to be so heavy and specific. And it's not for the people that create it because apparently the original title for the Infidels record was Surviving in a Ruthless World. And then somebody pointed out to Bob that his previous three albums were all S records. Slow Train uh-huh. Coming, Saved, and Shot of Love. And he was like, oh, I don't want to get bogged down. In the... This is literally a quote because I read the interview with him. I think he did with the Rolling Stone where he said, I don't want to get bogged down in the letter S. So he changed it to Infidels. <laughs> That's it. And to me, to me, the album is inherently different if the title is Surviving in a Ruthless World. That is, to me, a more hopeful title. It seems to underline the themes that's going on in Infidels. And to me, it underlines the themes of Blind Willie McTell, of this country is based on original sin, the original sin of slavery. Mm-hmm. And it, the blues comes out of that. 
and it to me it, it it just underlines all of those themes and surviving in a ruthless world is simultaneously darker and lighter than infidels to me infidels is is sort of nondescript you know, like okay is he talking about people is he talking about the people listening am i an infidel i don't know but surviving in a ruthless world to me is like that's a that's a gangbuster of an album title, and Bob just was like, "Nah, I don't want to do another S record." You're like, that's a, that's all that it took, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, well, I'm I ba- had to do that. I had to go back and look at Infidel uh, for what we were going to do here, and I thought, well, what was on Infidel? Why, you know? And I'm I started looking at it and listening to it, and thought, well, none of these songs really say anything about an Infidel. There's no song called Infidel. There's no. no, no. I don't. It didn't make any sense, but now you're telling me that it had a different name originally. Yeah, that is uh, a uh, that's I, a nice little piece of trivia there. Yeah, I mean Dylan really. Uh, there were some albums of his. Again, we're kind of getting off blind William McTell a little bit, but I mean, Al, there are albums of his that you know he has muddled with. And there are for those of us that are obsessive collectors, we have our own versions of albums pieced together. I, I have a playlist that's a whole different version of Oh Mercy, and I have one for Infidels because. Of all the records Bob has futzed with at the last minute, uh, Blood on the Tracks, which of course we covered on on Long Play, Um, you know, Infidels is the one that he, I think, did the most damage to because Mm. he had songs on it that are, there's a song that was on uh, the Bootleg series called Angelina, which is written for Shot of Love and Left Off, and that is a magisterial song of, of indescribable beauty. And, and, that got left off. And as I mentioned, there was Caribbean Wind, which was apparently considered again for infidels. Nope. Blind William McTell. Nope. Uh, you know, I mean, there were a bunch of songs that could have been on infidels that turned, that could have turned, which I think is a very, which is a great album. I would say infidels right. is a great album. Joker man, yeah. sweetheart, yeah. like you man of peace. I think those are great, great songs. He, he reduced what I think could have been a 1980s masterpiece into something that was quote unquote, merely very, very good. And it's just one of those things where you're like, boy, Bob, you just, you know, I mean, I'm trying to picture how infidels would have sounded just with this song on it, with just not even any of the other substitutions, just this. And I would imagine you would close the record with this song. I don't know how you have another song after this. Yeah, I would have closed with it. That's what I would have done. Yeah. You know, I also thought it was interesting. I looked up some of the um, reviews, critics reviews of infidel and um, uh, pretty much across the board, uh, it got really good reviews pretty yes, much did. instantly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of reviewers seem to be thinking, "Finally, Bob is back after us." And I'm looking at the two or three preceding, and I'm like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with those albums." Yeah. <laughs> what do you? But uh, uh, pretty much across the board, this was this was uh, a hit album for him. Yeah. Turning the corner and adding, going in some new direction. Uh, but for the life of me, I cannot understand why they would have left this off. It is, um, it's just, it, I, well, I lose words for it sometimes because, as you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan. And that's really how I even found Bob Dylan in the beginning. I knew who Bob was, of right, course. Sure. In the 60s, you can't avoid Bob Dylan. You couldn't. avoid him of course but uh i was never really into him i just thought of him as you know that folk singer over there that sang kind of nasally and very long songs (laughs) you know but uh during a promotional tour for sergeant peppers so that was 67 
67, I guess, late 67, uh, when asked who they were listening to, both John and George said, uh, well, George mentioned Bob Dylan, and then John pretty much said, Bob Dylan's the greatest songwriter in history. <laughs> and, I, and I went, what? You that, mean that's that a folk singer that, guy? That's a, that's, what? A, that's a hell of a pull quote. Yeah, so you got John Lennon saying that while promoting one of the greatest albums right. ever. <laughs> so I thought the next day I went to the store and bought uh, Highway 61. Revisited. Oh, boy, starting off good. Yeah, so that was my first full Dylan album. And uh, I guess within a week or two after that, I had several other Bob Dylan albums and was kind of hooked from that point on. So, um, you know, that's why I just love what you're doing here. This is this is just blowing me away. So Thank you. Um, the, the last thing that I want to mention, at least about, about this song, because I said, everybody, you can just go out and buy it. Uh, yeah. You can you can get it. It's been put on. It's funnily enough, this was put on uh, Sony Sony uh, Sony Music's uh, essential Bob Dylan CD. So that that'll tell you right there. This was a song left yeah. off an album, and yet now it's on the essential Bob Dylan. On the essential. Uh, the yeah. essential, yeah. But there's a there's a lyric here where he it says, um, "Well, I hear the hoot owl singing as they were taking down the tents. The stars above the barren trees were his only audience. Sometimes I feel like that's what Bob ultimately wants. Mm. That he wants to be that guy." He wants yeah. to be at a traveling medicine show playing in front of like maybe 20 people. I, you know, I mean, I guess you could argue, well, he's charging $100 a ticket, so he must not want to, something too yeah, simple. Yeah, wouldn't want to do that too but, much, yeah. uh, but, but it's – I feel like he channels that stuff so heavily that he pictures himself as one of those guys from the 1920s singing in the back of a truck somewhere to a small group of people in some small town. I just feel like that's he, – he's – there is some part of him that wants to be Blind Willie McTell. And Absolutely. I think that's why he was able to dig so deep into this particular song is put himself in it. Because as you mentioned very casually that Blind, Blind William McTell was a real guy. I didn't know that. When I first heard this song, I'd never heard mm. of Blind William McTell. And it was because of, because of this song. I went and looked it up and I went, oh, that's a, this is not a creation of Bob. This is a real guy. That, <laughs> that's that, a real guy. That did this stuff, so. Yeah, from the, the – that's a great time period. It's one of my favorite time periods. I went into this – as I do sometimes, I'm one of those kind of guys that, that you hear this and you go, oh, how did that start? And then you go down the rabbit hole and you find all these stuff. So now I have a really nice collection of blind Willie McTell songs. And it just blows me away sometimes. And this is how I can have respect a lot of times for uh, uh, musicians and modern people who do their homework and know where modern rock and roll and modern blues and modern stuff comes from. Even guys like Jack White, uh, mm -hmm. uh, White oh, Stripes, yeah. for example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does not only several Bob Dylan songs, and this one included. He does a cover of this, and he does it live. I don't know that he's actually done a, uh, a studio version of it. Huh, I never knew that. Interesting. But, uh, uh, yeah, Jack White, in every one of his concerts, I understand, uh, does Blind Willie McTell. Wow. Yeah, huh. and uh, two or three other Bob Dylan songs. And he also does, uh, in fact, one of Jack White's hit songs a few years ago off of, I think, the first White Stripes album was Your Southern Can. And that's a that's a Blind Willie McTell song, oh, written, okay. recorded, produced, 1923 or something like huh. that. Uh, there are channels. Find a copy of that song, Your Southern Can, and, and put it back-to-back -back with... Uh, Jack White's version. Jack White's version is almost identical except with harder modern instrumentation, but it's the same feel. 
and that's why I have respect for him and guys like Bob Dylan who know their history, who know that Woody Guthrie came and built on what guys like Robert Johnson and Blind Willie McTell and Blind Willie Johnson and so many of these great, great old blues players who on Friday and Saturday night would be singing blues in a dive somewhere and Sunday morning would be singing gospel tunes at church. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it's just terrific. And songs like this almost make me believe in God. It's that kind of a thing. And you hear Bob Dylan, you think, how does he do that? Where does, what inside of this human being can find the words and then put it to music with that voice. It's perfect. It literally, to me, is a perfect song, Blind Willie McTell. And I'll rank it right up there, like I said before, with pretty much any of the Bob Dylan great songs, in my personal opinion. I just love this song so much. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to wrap it up, don't you? Oh, absolutely. All right. So, uh, Bob, where can people find you on the Internet? supermanforever.com is uh, the home of my main Superman podcast. I do a podcast that's called Superman Forever Radio and uh, took over from the awesome J. David Weeder. And uh, I also do a show on long play, or called Long Play on the Two True Freaks Network. Uh, every once in a while, they leave the back door open over there, and they, they don't really know, and I slip in and talk about some album or two. So. Yes, and we, for those of you that enjoy Pod Dylan, you have Bob partially to thank for the show because it was because he invited me on Long Play to talk about Blood on the Tracks that made me say, you know what, I think I could do a whole show on this because I had such fun <laughs> talking about Blood on the Tracks and it was so easy because, you know, unlike like stuff with Who's Who where I could do all this reading – I don't have to do any research with Bob. I just know all this stuff. And so that was – I had so much fun talking Blood on the Tracks with you that that inspired the show. So thank you oh, for that. Oh, great, because it was just one of my favorite songs. And, in fact, that's my wife's favorite long play so far that I've done. Ah, <laughs> she just loved that, that – uh, and she wasn't that familiar with the album before. I mean she knew a couple of the songs, obviously. But uh, after that, I came home one day, and there she was. The album was on, and I went, nice. all right. Very nice. Okay. That, you right. can't beat that. That's fantastic. Yeah. So. So, uh, but, yeah, it was great. I enjoyed doing that with you, and uh, I hope we can do another one sometimes. I That's should, should absolutely be happy to do it. I will talk about anyone except maybe Dylan and the Dead. But uh, <laughs> for, for, for us, if you want to contact the show, you can just use the contact form over on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and find the show on Twitter, which is pod underscore dylan so bob uh thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it and i'm looking forward to having you back my pleasure rob thank you for inviting me all right thanks everybody thanks for listening and until next week i guess we'll see you later bye well god is in his heaven and we are